Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about The Other Lamb and Martha Marcia. <laughs> Let me do that again. Today we're talking about The Other Lamb and Martha Marcy May Marlene, a movie title designed to trip me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But first, let's catch up. I have been on a documentary binge, sort of, recently. Um, the I guess I'll, the first thing I'll talk about is uh, Athlete A, which is a documentary about the USA Gymnastics like scandal with Larry Nassar, who molested um, hundreds of gymnasts for decades. Um yeah. And I had listened to a podcast about this and I'm forgetting what it was called now, but um so I knew like a lot of the backstory about uh Larry and mm-hmm. um about how he had also molested uh children outside of uh mm-hmm. gymnastics. Yeah. But I think that the this movie I really liked that it focus so much on the athletes and on USA gymnastics role in like covering it up and covering up other like coaches being abusive and things like that. So um, I thought it, it was a different angle to look at Mm -hmm. the same thing. And I appreciated it a lot. And I, I, I did, um, I like that it was focused on like this institution that was like complicit in this abuse. And like, I think that the president of USA gymnastics was like arrested Mm -hmm. because of it. Um, And it also focused more on the athletes as well. So it interviewed a lot of different athletes going back like decades, just based on Mm -hmm. um, not just Larry Nassar's abuse, but just abuse from the coaches and just how it was a toxic sort of environment and how like in the seventies, one, the first like 14 year old Mm -hmm. won the gymnastics. And ever since then, it's been like a lot of children in gymnastics when previously it had been like adults. Um, And so it just like was like this breeding ground for terrible abuse because like the coaches could have more control over children mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but then it sort of capped off really nicely with it. It kind of portrayed like the victims as like heroes, which I mm-hmm. thought was nice because they were able to put Larry Nassar away yeah. only because they all came forward. Mm-hmm. So, and like shared their story. So I thought that was nice. So that was an interesting watch. Um, and then the second documentary that I watched that I really loved, uh, and it's actually nominated for an Oscar for the yeah. best documentary. Yeah. So Crip Camp is um, written and co-produced by Nicole Noonan, Noonham <laughs> and James Lebrecht. And it's about a, uh, it's about like uh, the disabled rights movement basically Mm -hmm. and how in like the 60s and 70s there was this camp um called camp janed and it was this community where uh people with uh, disabilities could go and just have a fun Mm -hmm. summer james lebrecht the person who made this movie is actually one of those kids Mm -hmm. and he had spina bifida and so he um couldn't use his legs and uh had like some other mobility issues i think and Mm -hmm. he had gone to the camp and then like grew up obviously and started working in like theater and film um and Mm -hmm. another person that's like a focal point of the movie is judy human uh i think that's how you say her last name Mm -hmm. um and she had had polio when she was a kid so she also couldn't walk but she was like a camp counselor at camp janed and she like it it just drew such a she grew up to be like she worked for like obama and was Mm -hmm. like she's the reason that like you have to have ramps in schools and things like that um but she's like the this like huge figure in Mm -hmm. the disabled rights movement and um it just, but it drew, the documentary drew such a, like, clear line between, like, 
Camp Jeanette and like actual activism that Mm -hmm. made like monumental huge changes Mm -hmm. and it was so like moving I guess to see like you you felt like the action behind Mm -hmm. everything it just it felt like you you wanted to also like do Mm -hmm. stuff to help or like make Mm -hmm. a change um but it was yeah it drew such a clear line between like this small community that was made to support and like make space for this group of people to the actual action which because like you see the camp camp counselor judy like being the leader of the movement but it also shows all of like the campers helping her like they're marching they're um doing like uh sit-ins and stuff and protesting and it's just it was a really good documentary. It, it yeah. was really well made, and, and about Netflix. something that, like a story that you don't hear, mm. like you've never heard before. So yeah, what were you gonna Definitely. say? I said it's on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. both of those are on Netflix. Athlete A and Crip Camper on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third thing that I'm into, bringing it back to my roots, <laughs> is it's okay to not be okay, which is a K drama that's also Yay! on Netflix. <laughs> um. It's a, uh, it came out, I think, in the fall, but um, I just got around to watching it recently. And it's about a, it's like a romance, obviously. There's other stuff too, but I'm in it for that. <laughs> um, but it's about a children's book author and a like, psychiatric nurse who fall in love and sort of, th- they, um, it's revealed that they have like a connection in the past. The children's book author is like very, she has, she's sort of mean and she has, she's very like antisocial and the psychiatric nurse has spent his life with his autistic brother. And it's sort of like the three of them make up this like new family. Love it. And, um, there's like also murder and uh it's it also brings in like fantasy elements sort of Mm -hmm. sort of in like a surreal like magical realism type way because of her Mm -hmm. um because she's a children's book author um but it does it really is impressive how like i think that the autistic brother is portrayed Mm -hmm. really well i think it's like a very he's he actually becomes like a he he loves art so he like is becomes an illustrator for her um and then just in general he he like i mean this is spoiling it never mind but (laughs) (laughs) oh it sounds good um but yeah it's really good so i it was it was one of the better ones that i've watched in a while like i couldn't stop (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it sounds like a lot of tropes that we know and love yeah yeah i yeah Mm. (laughs) Um, so what I'm into this week, the first one is a big one. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, if you're online at all, you know that Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, or Godzilla versus King, as I wrote in our notes, um, <laughs> came out this past week on HBO Max. It is the latest installment in this like legendary Titans franchise. I'm not sure what the exact title of the franchises i don't know um which have gone i think they range from fun bad to really bad yeah. uh in terms of quality uh i said to tim that um watching godzilla king of the monsters like six months ago was the low point of the quarantine for me yeah it was really bad <laughs> oh it was super bad this mm-hmm. okay so this had to just impress me more than Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters and it mm-hmm. did and I think it it did a better job and was more entertaining because it really was like the people are just going to be set dressing for mm-hmm. the monster fights and I think when it leaned into that it just became a better movie I think it had less dialogue than like, uh, Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters because the dialogue is truly insane truly like <laughs> sounds like a, a robot algorithm created it you know and especially coming from um like scientist mouths you know it just sounds even more it's like rebecca hall turns at one point at the beginning of the film and says with absolute certainty and authority like there can't be two titans at once and it's like oh yeah like everyone knows that you know like, there can't be two, there can't be two titans at once like two alpha titans i'm sorry um <laughs> and uh 
it it is true also that the movie is disorienting to watch because the size of King Kong seems to change depending on his environment uh, <laughs> like pretty rapidly uh, but all that being said, oh, and all like the the truly the performances are really phoned in, I think. But you imagine that these actors were you know acting on green screens for like five minutes at a time, yeah, uh, to do like dismayed reactions at Carnage. <laughs> Other than that, really fun. Um, you know, I think I saw a few critics saying that it's impressive that King Kong and Godzilla give better performances than any humans in the movie um they had they were portrayed also by actors kind of a la andy circus um mm. and the the fight scenes are fun i won't spoil the ending but a bigger badder monster shows up uh what and how? how i know how, how Kenzie, <laughs> you have a lot to learn <laughs> about the world of the titans um and i know that they're just gonna keep making these movies too <laughs> And they're really, like, so bad. But fun. You know what? Really fun to watch. It's crazy also. Um, I think I've talked on the podcast about the movie Shin Godzilla before, which was a recent Mm -hmm. Japanese Godzilla movie. And it's interesting how, like, when you take a giant metaphor, like, Godzilla is just a metaphor, really, Mm and the way he's used in Japanese film. And when you take the metaphor out of its origin, (laughs) where it, like, actually works and makes sense, Mm -hmm. he's just, like, this big lizard creature. (laughs) You know, like, at one point at the beginning of the film, he attacks Pensacola, Florida. And I was like, Godzilla attacking Pensacola, Florida. Okay. Like, (laughs) yeah. That's so funny. I feel like that's the first Godzilla movie, like, of this iteration of Godzilla movies. Mm -hmm. I felt the same way that. Uh, Godzilla was you felt more for Godzilla than you did for any of the humans and I did hear a clip of the dialogue Mm -hmm. from I think Uh. on pop culture happy hour and I was like oh god it's so terrible it's pretty incredible and they really also like they give up on connecting any of the human plot lines or stories at all which again i'm like good like they shouldn't have even tried like at one point brian tyree henry who's i love him and he's great Mm -hmm. and i'm happy he got this big paycheck he's like my (laughs) wife is dead and then nothing like that's never commented on later or that's never asked about you know like oh my god it's so silly it's incredibly silly um yeah but i have to recommend it (laughs) um what are you gonna say I was going to say, I wonder if, like, any Titans uh, threaten, like, middle America. Or is it just the coast? It's always the coast. Um, This is kind of a spoiler, but the last battle in the movie takes place in Hong Kong. Uh And it's... This is another thing I was commenting on when we watched it. It's weird that in this world, these attacks by like kaijus and titans happen frequently like in the movie the movie opens and it's like been three years since the last godzilla attack (laughs) and yet there appears to be no infrastructure to protect cities from um these monsters like i was thinking a little bit of pacific rim you know yeah um like godzilla just comes through and like smashes hong kong to pieces like it's like 10 or 18 911s happening and you're like oh like the world knows that godzilla exists but they're like whatever like every once in a while he's gonna smush a city and people (laughs) are gonna die and that's it's fine uh and it's it's like i guess it would take away from like the fun of watching the destruction if like they were to think too hard about like what this would actually mean Mm -hmm. um or like the human toll it's really it's really and i think they did so more so in like the first movie when he first appeared but yeah it's very Mm. very strange and yeah he does not attack middle america (laughs) yeah i do appreciate though that like this movie has brought about some discourse that pacific rim is actually good i love pacific rim i think it's so fun Pacific Rim seems to take serious, like, some questions about, like, what the world would look like, at least, if these things actually happened. And this movie wants to, like, <laughs> do it halfway. Like, be like, these things are real. But yeah. they have, like, a like an NGO called Monarch that, like, handles the the monsters. But they don't seem that effective. They seem mostly like FEMA. <laughs> like, they show up afterwards with tents. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so silly. It's so silly. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So the next thing I'm into is called The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Um, It's a high fantasy novel 
um, that my friend recommended to me. It's a standalone fantasy novel, which I am kind of intrigued by because it's like nice to read one fantasy book and know like this is it. This is a contained story. It's huge. I'm looking at it right now across the room. It's almost a thousand <laughs> pages. It's like a brick. Um, but I would describe it as it's um, like a very feminist um, fantasy novel. It takes place in this world uh, where there's two kingdoms and they're kind of divided against each other uh, based on relationships with dragons. Um, the one kingdom kind of like lives peacefully with dragons that are tied to like the air and water and um, they're like ancient creatures who they respect and they learn from. The other kingdom ha- is like very anti-dragon. It's run by um, this queen who's like been her lineage of queens and daughters have been uh, running the kingdom for like a thousand years and it's been foretold that so long as the line of queens and daughters is unbroken that the evil Satan dragon cannot return to earth but here's the issue the most (laughs) recent queen so she has all this pressure to have another to have a little baby to Mm -hmm. have an heir I guess is the word I'm looking for (laughs) she has all this pressure to have an heir because supposedly her lineage keeps the Satan dragon in the ground but she's queer and she there's a slow burn lesbian romance uh I it's just kicking up now so that's the whole problem like she she doesn't want to have the the heir to save the world because she likes girls so how far into it does that start because I tried getting into this and I couldn't oh get out yeah, <laughs> I'm like 200 pages into it, Mackenzie, and it's just picking up like a little bit. Okay, okay, <laughs> it's I'll, big. I'll I'll go through it. I, I know, I know, it's huge. I just I I read like I didn't really try. Really, I I guess I just mm-hmm. picked. I mean, like I have it. I read some of it, and then yeah. I was like, I can't. <laughs> the hard part, I think that I, like a criticism I have right now is there's like four POV characters, and I think you mm-hmm. really needed like two. You yeah. Know. Um, yeah, it's yeah. too many. It's just way too many. Um, it gets really confusing, and also it makes the slot like the plot move a lot slower if we're like mm-hmm. checking in with four characters every right. time something happens. Um, the last thing I'm going to recommend is kind of a silly one. It's uh, "Hail Caesar" by the Coen Brothers. I think it came out like ten years ago. Um, it's this kind of like satire and homage to older Hollywood movies of the '50s um, and '40s. It's not their best work, but I truly loved and enjoyed several scenes in it so much that I can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will recommend, it, it has a ton of stars in it um, and in like kind of like cameo like parts, but uh, Channing Tatum, Himbo King does <laughs> a dance sequence about halfway through the movie. It's a film within a film. He's playing a sailor who's about to go to sea Um and he is so fucking talented. Like he does yeah. this old timey like tap dance sequence with a bunch of other sailors. I've already watched it twice on YouTube because it's so good. He's just so charming, and um, they need to Hollywood needs to put him in a musical like right away. It's um, like you, we forget that his origin is is dance. S- step up. Yeah, isn't that what that is called? Yeah, step up. <laughs> Step up. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it kind of sounds right. Dance uh, something. Maybe it's the dance, dance movie. Well, I can I picture know. the exact cover that they're doing. Uh, <laughs> the poster. Yeah, he's so good. And also the guy who plays Han Solo in Solo, Alden, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. How people yeah. like, he hasn't been in literally anything since Solo, which is so embarrassing. Oh, my God. Um, but it's not his fault because I watched him in this movie and he's so good in this movie. Yeah. He has this, he plays this... Um, like cowboy actor who does mostly westerns and stunts and stuff. If you like, if you like like movies, you'll enjoy this movie because there's so many different like references to movies of the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he plays this um, this like cowboy actor, like a stunt actor, really, who's become more and more famous. Who they decide to put him in like a comedy of manners, like a British play that's being adapted. Mm-hmm. But he is so country that he like <laughs> literally can't get the words out on set oh wait i uh, feel like i've seen that clip yeah like the word <laughs> word that it were so sample yeah <laughs> he's so funny in it um and supposedly was discovered by steven spielberg at a bat mitzvah um Aww. which is kind of a funny origin story yeah okay we've talked enough time to jump into our two spring movies <laughs> about new life and new birth <laughs> The other lamb and Marsa Martha May no. Marlene. <laughs> no. 
I love it. I love this movie too. So it's crazy. I can't say the name. <laughs> it's yeah. No, it's hard. It's very confusing. But mm-hmm. that's the point. It's supposed to be to disorienting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first movie we're talking about is The Other Lamb from 2020. Sela is a young girl who lives under the watchful eye of the shepherd, a handsome religious figure whose family includes many wives and daughters. The shepherd's wives wear red, while his daughters, like Sela, wear blue to demonstrate they have not yet had their period. As she grows in age and confidence, Sela begins to question the wisdom of the shepherd. So I was like, let's do this cult movie because I wanted to do Martha Marcy May yeah, And definitely. this movie has just come out, and it is very cult with a capital c so mm-hmm. um and i had seen it before watching it again for the podcast and i didn't um love it i mm-hmm. had said to bridget mm-hmm. that the most impressive part was the photography and Definitely. i uh that holds true <laughs> yeah so uh i was also surprised by researching this i mean i guess not that surprised but at one point this was the highest grossing movie in the country because it came out just as the pandemic started Oh shit! So altogether, That's it grossed like like seven thousand dollars at the oh. American box office, but that bumped it to the top for oh a brief period. God. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's crazy. <laughs> um, I, I just like it's such a it was such a weird year for cinema. Yeah, um, wow. But this movie was directed by Malgorzata Shumoska and written by C.S. McMullen, who I think is a sci-fi YA author, which is cool. Oh, cool. Um, and the director is Polish, and this is her first like English language film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars some recognizable actors. Uh, Rafi Cassidy, who plays um, the lead, looks exactly like N- Natalia Dwyer to me. Like, yeah, the same. My face. brother kept saying she looked like <laughs> Timothée. <laughs> they need to play three siblings in a movie. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. Oh, Ooh, that would be crazy. About, in a traveling circus, they're the three acrobats, and they're. Oh my god! Maybe incestuous. <laughs> incestuous. I don't know. Uh, oh, no. Just an idea. Just spitball it. <laughs> I mean, okay. or they're products of incest. Is that mean? <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I, well, I, I they mean, gone. Incest is a theme in this uh, movie. That's true. That's the true. shepherd, you know, has all these wives, but he's also the, his daughters the become daddy. his wives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is a dad um, too. He is so the, he a is hot the cult daddy. leader. <laughs> if you had to he be in a cult, hot. yeah, yeah. Truly, he is hot. And you know, it's funny. I read some like interviews with the director, and everyone was kind of like, part of the appeal of the shepherd is that he's very handsome. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's that's definitely it because uh, he is uh, his theos doesn't really have like a lot to go off like his. The theology that he has built around himself, there's not a lot there. I wrote in the notes that he basically just hit copy and paste on Christianity and was like, "Yeah, uh, insert me into this. I am it, it's, Jesus. That's like one of the problems I had with the movie is that it doesn't, um, it's so shallow. Like it, it sort of like, there's supposed to be a lot of spirituality around the literal flock Mm -hmm. he refers to his family like the wives Mm -hmm. and daughters as the flock but also like the literal sheep Mm -hmm. are supposed to be spiritual in some way and it's never really explained and there isn't enough i feel like uh shown for us to even like Mm -hmm. glimmer what it's about it's like we don't know what's happening (laughs) yeah this movie was like listening to someone try to explain their dream to you yeah like i guess those images are interesting but it's a dream so there's not a lot yeah. to go on you know yeah um it it's as Mackenzie said it's beautifully shot um but yeah exactly it's just very like simplistic too and i don't think it really gets into um anything that interesting about like cults or women or even like men that we have we haven't seen before in a mm. movie like this it feels like a movie i've already seen almost too um yeah. and kind of a tick that the uh cinematography had that started really uh grating on me was this <laughs> slow zoom shots mm-hmm. on the lead or like a lamb or maggots mm-hmm. and i was thinking about like when the the third or fourth one happened i was like what is the purpose of this um i think like ostensibly it's to build a sense of dread in the mm-hmm. movie or like tension of some sort but it, 
to me, it just didn't do that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I just never felt that, uh, the plot like ratcheted up, um, the tension that much. And even right. to spoil the ending, um, the shepherd like commits an act of mass murder against the wives mm-hmm. that I don't feel like that really hit home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like, I don't think it tracked the leads development along with those actions enough, you know, like yeah. you didn't get the sense that she was becoming angrier and angrier, you know? Yeah, I think so too. I think that mm-hmm. at the end when she does, um, decide to sort of rebel i don't Mm -hmm. think it it seems like it came out of nowhere because at the beginning she is so pious Mm -hmm. um and maybe it was just like an issue with the pacing in terms of like i wasn't tracking well how much time had actually passed maybe more time passed than it seemed and Mm -hmm. i just didn't catch on to that but other like that's still an issue like and it did just like i couldn't believe uh, that she was rebelling because it just didn't seem like it would be fit with her character. Mm-hmm. And I do think that I feel like some like when people when like people use those like slow zoom shots, I feel like it could also be to show like uh especially when it's centered on like some a character's face, I feel like mm-hmm. it could also be to show like a change happening in the character mm. but mm-hmm. i never felt that way with this because the way that it works here is sort of like it's a still image mm-hmm. it's it literally is almost like a photograph where yeah. it's just like they're just staring into the camera and their expression doesn't change at all like i think that in they, they did this in La Llorona, which we talked about in our last episode, but also in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, which we'll talk about next. Mm. But they do use that slow zoom and it does show like changing emotions mm. in the mm. character's face. And you feel like you understand like that they're going through like uh, yeah. an emotional like evolution in that mm. moment. Definitely. But not here. <laughs> they're yeah, just like it, staring wide eyed into the camera. It is an interesting movie, obviously, to compare with uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Um I think you, in both cases, it's not like really important what the cult is about uh, in this movie, but they kind of like hint at it more so, and then it doesn't have many like a leg to stand on mm-hmm. really. Um, I got tripped up too because I think intentionally the other lamb is supposed to kind of take place in this outside of time location mm-hmm. and sense like you don't you don't really know what country they're in until the very mm-hmm. end you don't really know um you know like what time period they're in as well right. and it still stays kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. until you like see cops i guess and then that kind of dates and it. even then it's like even then it's weird because it's like they have this like Amer- like the american yeah like flag on their uniform but i know you there's nowhere in america that looks like I know. that i thought that too i was like where on earth are they where they're like crossing roads and like they're these beautiful vistas all around them you know yeah, i was like that does not exist in this country sorry <laughs> and it's strange too because i also think like when we talk about the next movie um is using like really american imagery and aesthetics based around cults mm. very successfully like yeah. tapping into this idea we have about um like communes but this movie mm goes in another direction i guess they're trying to be more like a religious cult obviously mm-hmm. uh another thing that tripped me up was so the wives and the daughters have different like uniforms to signify their standing and mm-hmm. they are wearing beautiful clothing <laughs> like anytime they're seen up close you're mm-hmm. like clearly this is like a designer dress yeah. that has been dyed blue and they have matching like they'll have the, the blue dress on and then like a matching blue scarf mm-hmm. And I'm like, what kind of cult is this? Yeah. You know? There's like this beautiful like felted coat mm-hmm. that the like exiled um, yeah. wife wears at one point with like, it's like this um, asymmetrical cut with like yeah. a little like belted what? like buckle thing. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was very it, gorgeous. <laughs> it was super gorgeous. And so it like is confusing because you don't really get a good understanding of the material life of the women, mm-hmm. which I think is would be important to kind of like indicate that they are suffering in some way. Yeah. Uh, and they clearly are in some scenes, but they're d- decked out in these beautiful clothes. So it's like a little disorienting. Mm-hmm. Um, very strange. Uh, um, so both of these movies have rape scenes. Yeah. Um, 
that pop up um, at different points. I thought that, and we'll talk about it, I thought that the rape scene in Martha Marcy May Marlene was better, if you can call a rape scene better. <laughs> um, but they were similar. They were very yeah. similar in some aspects. I think that with... What I read, like, well, we both read, like, an interview mm-hmm. with uh, the director of The Other Lamb, <laughs> and she was like, we had to be very careful about how we filmed it yeah. because she was a minor. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, ew, like, yeah, because, like, they should be careful about it no matter what. And, yeah. like, I feel like that the way that they filmed it, which was mostly just focus on her face yeah and not any like it wasn't like a sexy scene really you know like there yeah. it wasn't i thought it wasn't like sexualized really but like the fact that they maybe only did that because they were had to follow like a very strict set of rules because she was a minor it's mm-hmm. like i don't know that struck me as weird the way that she talked about it definitely and some of the other um interviews that we read with the director um, were kind of interesting to me too because I think she really viewed this movie as like a story of rebelling against the the patriarchy. Like they use the word patriarchy a lot, mm-hmm. and I found that like a little disappointing and like reductive to talk about the movie like that. You know, it. Well, I mean, it just it. Uh, the, that's like kind of the vibe I got from the movie was that it was like yeah, sort of. It, it seemed very like. Uh, like watered down feminist yes. uh, idea at, and mm-hmm. outdated, frankly, yes. because like because at the end, it's sort of I'll just spoil it. Like, who cares? <laughs> That's what we do on this podcast. Yes. Um, but at the end, Sela sort of leads her sisters in killing the shepherd, whose name is Michael, <laughs> uh, and. Um, then she leads all her sisters back to the original place where they were living. Um, and she's sort of portrayed as like this new leader. And yeah. it, to me, it just seemed like they were still going to be living this terrible life, but she would now be the leader, but they yes. didn't, but it's, but it seemed like they were like, oh, but this is good. That they're mm. going to be living this terrible life just with a new leader. But girl, and they I know, were like, Hillary Clinton they were is like, in charge. Yeah, they were like, girl boss. <laughs> yes, it, very girl bossy. And uh, there's some dialogue between the exiled wife and uh, Sela where she's like, don't forget, you and your sisters are strong. Yeah. Like, stronger than you know. And I'm like, they're mm-hmm. literally abused children. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you're an adult. Like, let's. And and also like the period, like a through line mm-hmm. of like I just wasn't that to me also seems just like oh, dated yeah. or something. I don't know any period stuff. I'm like okay, we get it. Like <laughs> it's not like I don't know. Like the fir- yeah. the part the part where I sort of like was like oh this movie is not going to be doing anything really was when mm-hmm. she does first get her period. And it has this shot that is just so ridiculous. She mm. gets her period. She has blood on her hands. She's standing mm. on this like mountaintop. It's very like Pride and Prejudice esque when Lizzie True. is standing at the cliff, kind of. Um, if you know, you know. Um, but she's standing there. She has her hand out with blood on it, and the camera just zooms around her, like circling her, and it's, it goes on mm. for too long. And I'm like, it's not that. It's not that deep. <laughs> like. I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. Really disappointing. And then so it's like this slow burn, like revenge happens at the end, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. But the buildup just doesn't, we don't see the girls rebel against the shepherd. Like we kind of see like flashes of like a dream sequence again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it does, so it doesn't feel like rewarding at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the movie just kind of ends with cops. yeah, and I, th- I think what is disappointing about this movie is that it could have gone in a few different directions. I think that would have like really deepened it. Um, Monica Castillo writes in RogerEbert.com, as wonderful as the other lamb appears on screen and its cast embodies the story's tension, it feels as though something is missing from the final picture. The movie is slight in its exploration of dark subjects like cults, 
intergenerational dynamics and abuse without coming to any kind of conclusion or closure. After following Sela through this self-discovery, the ending feels rushed and not satisfying. I think that's a really good point. The dynamic of this cult is that mothers are basically also indoctrinating their daughters to eventually mm-hmm. like grooming them to have sex and marry this man. And that mm-hmm. is not unexplored at all. And it really does mm-hmm. make it seem like very neatly, like there is one bad evil man rather than this bad evil man is kind of aided by older women as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which could have been interesting, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mackenzie, any final thoughts before we jump into one star reviews? Um, I guess, I guess to me watching it the second time, the thing that like, I guess stood out to me sort of as sort of interesting was, um, the fact that it is just like one man and Mm -hmm. a lot of women. And I think, Mm um, it's like, obviously the number of women there are, they can like physically overpower him. And I think at the beginning, there's this shot where, uh, or like it's a scene, I guess, um, where he sort of falls on the ground and they all pick him up and are carrying him. And it's like, and then at the end, you're sort of struck again. It, it's parallel to me, I guess, like the that scene of them all carrying him. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, how the, the daughters are all able to like tear him apart essentially yeah um just i don't know that was just one interesting thing that i picked up on this time but Mm -hmm. you know that's it (laughs) (laughs) um our first one star review says saw this in a cinema for michelle huisman one of the best actors working today the film itself however was a slog and had nothing new to say about cults the patriarchy or feminism so agreed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that actor though. He's in Game of Thrones and um like a lot of other stuff too. The Haunting of Hill House, I think. Haunting of Hill House, yeah. He's very like, ooh, that guy. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he like we said, very handsome. he's very handsome. He's easy on the eyes. Yeah. The long hair, he really works it. Yeah, really works it. Looks good. <laughs> Our second uh one star review for this movie is just another piece of feminist trash trying to make itself look like an actual movie which is you know frustrating uh. because it is like i mean i like i feel similarly but in yeah. a different way that this person does yeah like yeah. it just it just i wish that it just had, had more. complicated its ideas about yeah more yeah. yeah for sure because i think that in the end like this is sort of it just misses the point and it's like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly a woman president is not gonna save the country yeah, <laughs> yeah. what i always yeah. think about mackenzie what's your rating for the other lamb oh um <laughs> um a five mackenzie i want to like set, like write down what i'm about to say for rating because i feel like we are in tune sometimes okay. i want to rate this a five like yeah there's so I many mean, better movies with this vibe i think out there you know? yes i agree like even like um the wicker man <laughs> yeah oh yeah like i don't know it's just more interesting <laughs> um I, yeah i wish and the thing is like it was really beautiful like i wish that mm-hmm. i'm interested in i guess what, what i don't know the cinematographer saw their work but Mm -hmm. i don't know it's also with this director maybe the writing was the problem i don't know yeah Yeah, it's hard it's hard to tell (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to tell there was a intersectional uh attempt at making this movie (laughs) mediocre (laughs) yeah Yeah. i co-signed with a five okay (laughs) jumping into our next film which is martha marcy may Marlene from 2011, 10 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. Okay. When estranged sisters, June and Martha, are reunited after years apart, something is clearly wrong. Martha has been out of touch and won't fully account for the time away. She strips naked at odd times and is strangely combative about material goods. What her older sister doesn't know is that Martha has escaped a cult like commune run by a charismatic man named Patrick. While living in the cult, Martha became part of a new family 
one that demanded her total faith and even changed her identity. Um, this movie is directed and written by Sean Durkin, who just had another movie come out last year, his second movie after this, which is um, noteworthy that he took so long between films. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see it. But I remember seeing this probably in like 2011 or 2012, mm-hmm. I think because of Tumblr. I think this yeah. is another movie that Tumblr brought me to. Yeah, prob- same, probably. Um, and I think I... I think I really wanted to watch it because of Elizabeth Olsen. I was like, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I love the twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's see what this is about. Like, see this new face. Um, like, that is probably the main reason I watched it. Yeah. It's It'd be fun that- to do an episode with them. Like, ooh, or like a twins. We could do Parent Trap and. Uh, oh my God. An Olsen movie. That would be twins so on fun. Cinema. Um, it's funny also, like when WandaVision was coming out, a lot of tweets went viral of men being like, did you guys know that Wanda is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's sister? And it was like, <laughs> yes, everyone knew that. Yeah. Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> they, they have the same face and the same last name. <laughs> like, come on. Even, yeah. And, uh, I remember yeah, being really excited to see this for that reason too. And this was, I think her first major film role and she yeah. had just come from like acting school and she's 22, I think in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's excellent in it. Yeah. Um, so good. Ugh. She's really, really good. Uh, I wrote down that, um, so this movie kind of jumps around, um, non-linear uh storytelling where you see martha um with her sister after she's left the cult and then it kind of rewinds to various scenes from her living with the cult and starting to live with them and at the very beginning of i guess the chronological order of the story when she's first introduced to patrick the cult leader she sounds different like she has a deeper voice when she's Mm -hmm. first talking to him um and i thought that was such an interesting uh performance aspect of elizabeth olsen's uh character work here uh yeah really good really really good and sarah paulson is really good in it too as the older sister um Mm -hmm. when i first started watching this again for the second time i was like wow it's pretty unrealistic that the older sister is so mean to her when clearly she has been through something and then i was like oh no i sound like this talking to my sister (laughs) (laughs) i so i didn't i felt like um i just felt i felt like the sisters I just I thought it was interesting because I did feel like it was clear to me that she was very like loving the older sister to the Mm -hmm. younger sister and like she was trying to be as patient Mm -hmm. as she knew how and that Mm -hmm. it showed her it showed to me that she would actually like be a good mom because she was sort of trying to do that to her younger sister Martha and that is sort of one of the things that Martha can't believe that uh, her older sister Lucy would be a good um, mom and it's sort of like Mm -hmm. this point of contention between them but Mm -hmm. I think it's just because Martha wasn't realizing like how much Lucy was caring for her but I do think Mm -hmm. that Obviously, Lucy was reacting in the way that anyone would when your like life is sort of um, interrupted, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think because she is also dealing like with her own like trauma, it's like they have like this murky family background mm-hmm. where it sounds like the, de- the father died early or no, the father was never around maybe and the, mm-hmm. the mom died. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to live with like a mean aunt and it just seemed like very complicated. And I think that like, I like the way that Lucy was reacting in terms of, she kept saying like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And mm-hmm. I feel like that was sort of like where she, it, it just seemed like, it seemed like very like real for her to do that mm-hmm. and get frustrated. But mm-hmm. she also seemed very like loving in her own way, yes. I think. Definitely. And I felt similarly about Hugh Dancy um, as the husband, mm-hmm. um, Ted, who, uh, you know, has moments of kindness towards mm-hmm. Martha and then is just like loses his temper a lot more rapidly. Um, yeah. And I think the difference is that he reads to me as someone who has like never had anything wrong happen yeah. in his life. Like he has never once like been 
mm-hmm. like had to struggle. And I think that's the difference between like him and Lucy's where Lucy sort of like can understand like something mm-hmm. fucked up happened. Um, in the Roger Ebert review, he wrote that uh, Ted's character built the lake house, which I was like, I don't think he built the lake house. I think he's building another house in New York. And it was making me laugh like, oh, like, it's funny how like critics watch the same movie and then sometimes come away with completely different facts. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized in our intro, I called the sister June <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I just changed it. So her name is not June. It's Lucy. I'm catching that now. <laughs> Yeah. I have no idea yeah. where I got June That's from. funny. Yeah. So I can't, I, no shade to Roger Ebert. I yeah. <laughs> messed up a detail about this film too. Um, I also, uh, I wrote in our notes that I don't think Mackenzie and I would be susceptible to this kind of cult. No way. Based on our social lives in college, we were not into listening to boys play music um, and uh, don't didn't really like group hangs like that. <laughs> This seems like I would be so fucking stressed the entire time. Like, yeah, this is my nightmare. Like being, I just, I need to be able, like, even with normal hangs with just normal, my normal Mm -hmm. friends, I'm like, I need a car there so I can leave at any point. You know, like, I just need an escape route. And so this would suck. (laughs) Especially because... (laughs) I need my own space like I need and I need to know that I can shower and like you know yeah definitely I couldn't do it um the that being said the the hellish aspect of having to socialize at all times with multiple people aside I think that this cult's aesthetic which is I think very important to like the allure of a cult mm-hmm. um, was very appealing to me for some reason. I think oh, because yeah. they were they're in beautiful upstate New York mm-hmm. uh, where I frequently look at houses on Zillow. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that the idea if I if it was like me and like two of my best friends mm-hmm. and we bought a house in New York and we all had cars and our own phones and internet. Mm-hmm. And that would be lovely. <laughs> and yeah, we didn't have to work nice. a real job. Yeah, we Perfect. just all day. Yeah, yeah, I would love it. But mm-hmm. this is not that. These are the strangers that it's like such a strange like working dynamic. They're all cut off from the outside yeah. world. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, too, to kind of hear Patrick, the cult leader, almost speak in like therapy talk, you yeah. know, um, like how he he kind of confronts uh, Martha in front of everybody and, you know, is like diagnosing her in front of everyone to kind of make her feel like yeah. vulnerable and weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's the cults. I, I think it, it's realistic in that it's not like this cult in particular has like a a plan or you know, like directive that they're like particularly working towards other than just being like a toxic environment, you know? Um, right. Or, like, well, it seems control. like their goal is mm. this far-fetched idea to have like a working farm that mm. they can just live off of, but it doesn't yeah. seem like they know anything about farming. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they, they show like one scene of them like planting stuff and it just seems like they're not doing anything really. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not enough food to sustain, like, ten people or whatever. Um, so this movie also has a rape scene, like we mentioned earlier. Mm. And um, I, like, personally don't think there's ever, like, a particularly good reason to depict rape on screen anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but I thought this one was well done in that it really centered on uh, Elizabeth Olsen's face and her reaction. Um, and kind of the rest of it was murky and shot in darkness. So you can particularly see the actual act um and you know i also think i think like the exception to kind of like that rule i just said where i don't think you have to ever show rape scenes is Mm -hmm. that if you're going to show a rape scene you have to then spend a lot of time with the after effect of it you know like Mm -hmm. that's one reason i think just to i always it's like the worst example i can think of is um the rape scenes in game of thrones is you know like if you're going to show it you have to then also Mm -hmm. show um its impact and i think right most of this movie is about probably the impact. Right. Um, and that, that I think the kind of uh, Roger Ebert kind of dunked on um, the transitions that they would do in this film, you know, mm-hmm. like Martha would jump out of a boat 
on the lake in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And then it would cut to her jumping into a waterfall surrounded by the cult. Mm -hmm. But I think to me, that was like a really clever visual representation of how like trauma affects memory. Yeah. Like she was kind of phasing in and out. Why present? I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I thought that was one of the strengths of the movie, frankly, Mm -hmm. was, and I think that, you know, the other lamb sort of tries to do this, but it's just so murky. And so like, Mm fucking weird that you're like i have no with the other lamb you have no basis on like it Mm -hmm. it seems like almost it could fantasy things could be happening like fantastical things could be happening and you Mm -hmm. because you have no like basis on like there's no like ground to stand on Mm -hmm. so it's like this like demonic lamb could be real who knows yeah but in uh this movie you're you know exactly what's happening i feel like mm-hmm. i was never like mm-hmm. confused where i was like is this real I, or, it, yeah. yeah is this real or not it was just like this is it was very clear that like she was her her like you said like memory and trauma were just like mm-hmm. uh weaving into her like current mm-hmm. present um and i thought that it was really well done especially um one part that I thought was particularly uh, striking was when she um, is like cleaning dishes or something mm-hmm. and in the cult and the uh, like woman leader of the cult sort of mm-hmm. Katie slaps her and mm-hmm. for doing something wrong. And then uh, she says, Sorry, Katie. And then it cuts to her sister being like, who's Katie? So you know that she like yeah. really was like, tr- like truly in her mind, like not mm. in, she was living in that memory and not in the present. Mm. And I thought that was yeah. really um, well done. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I thought it was super effective. Yeah. Something else that this movie, I think, does better than <laughs> the other lamb, unfortunately, is um, I think it has kind of a more realistic view of how people and women operate in kind of these like warped power structures, Mm -hmm. you know, um, other than it being kind of like neatly like men, good, bad women, good, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, you see that Katie, the other, like the right hand woman in the Mm -hmm. cult, um, you know, initiates, uh, Patrick's ability to rape, um, Martha. And then Martha, after kind of processing her own rape and having, clearly con- like conflicting feelings about it um, and uncertainty then goes on to initiate the, the rape of another girl, Sarah, um, mm-hmm. who's played by Julia Garner. And I think that is a, just a better depiction of how, you know, this shit actually happens, you know, um, right. Rather than it being so neat. And like, there's just one bad apple who yeah. controls everyone else. Yeah. And I think even, mm-hmm. and you see also mm-hmm. like that, that, as is part of her trauma too. Mm-hmm. Like she definitely mm-hmm. feels like guilt about it. And probably part of the reason that she feels like she can't talk about it is because she knows that she fucked up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it does, you definitely get more of a feeling for getting like, you feel like the erosion, I mm-hmm. think of the people in the cult more in this movie. Like you just, even though half of it is spent not when she's like not in the actual cult, you still like, Mm -hmm. you can like see the breakdown more. And I Mm -hmm. think that it's just more like a more compelling story. Honestly, it's just more like effective. Yeah, definitely. And I think like kind of is, um, rewarding upon rewatch too. Like after all these years, Mm -hmm. um, Mackenzie, what did you think about the ending of the film? I okay so <laughs> I um had re- in my mind I guess I had remembered this as mm. having a more conclusive ending. I did not remember mm. it being so ambiguous or sort of like mm-hmm. um ominous. Mm-hmm. I cuz I had I, for some reason I was like it'll all be fine in the end. <laughs> But it definitely wasn't like they were because it's revealed basically that she was witness to a murder like the Mm -hmm. the, in the cult they because they sucked at farming took to breaking (laughs) into people's houses to get shit. Um, And in this one 
break-in, Katie ends up stabbing the homeowner. And I think that that's really the reason that they're so... Like, so she's witness to this murder. Mm. And I think that that is one of the reasons why they're so, like... um, like after her or like don't want her to leave is Mm -hmm. and i think that's also the reason she wants to leave is like because she knows that she Mm -hmm. well she also because she like was witness to something totally horrific i think it like pushed it over the edge for her where she was like Mm -hmm. shit i need to get out of here and the fact that she was also now like in greater danger i feel like Mm -hmm. yeah so that's why i think that they were like still chasing her even at the end Mm -hmm. I guess I guess I was still like hopeful that if she was like in an institute where she was mm-hmm. able to get like care mm-hmm. that she might be able to open up and start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And if that did happen that you know the maybe like they they'd be arrested or something. Yeah. She I kind of remember my first watch of it the takeaway i got was that she was paranoid and just imagining them um being there mm-hmm. but i i think upon this rewatch i'm like oh no yeah <laughs> i don't think she's paranoid i think they were really there yeah um you know uh and it is kind of like a very abrupt um upsetting ending mm-hmm. but let's hope my envision that uh hugh dancy is like we're not pulling over and <laughs> they just keep driving <laughs> yeah 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 but such a good movie and i really want to see his, his film that just came out the nest um yeah i liked his direction a lot yeah it was really good i love mm-hmm. this movie yeah i love this movie too also is i think in roger ebert's review he wait uh he says something like one one he says one wonders what she took with her to the farm that only two years later she has changed enough she can casually crawl into bed with lucy and ted at the very moment when they seem to be sharing an orgasm and i do think that i was i was thinking like dang like how like i guess to me i was like in two years like you you still think that's okay like i don't know i was like i was very like that seems fucking weird that you would like change that much to be like this is fine um yeah especially with like your sister i don't know <laughs> but she was used I, to group sex i guess i guess but i do think that roger eper is right is that like she was fucked up before she went into yeah. this like she had some shit to deal with like before Definitely. going to the cult mm. and it's like so i think i guess it does make you wonder like how like what sort of what she was bringing with her mm. um, to that, which I think is interesting that I don't know. It's, it's cool that this movie makes you wonder about this character's entire like history. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Definitely. It, it is uh, like satisfying to watch, but also does raise um, all these questions that, like I said, make it for rewarding repeat viewings. Yeah. Do you want to jump into one-star reviews? <laughs> yeah. So okay. the first one-star review is, this was the mer- worst movie I've ever seen. The cult wasn't even a cult. It was more like a group of group. It was more like a group of people having sex with another after being given the date rape drug. What was the reason for the cult being created anyway? If you're going to have a cult, then at least tell the reason behind it. It showed one rape scene and that was supposed to make Martha crazy. Were there any other reasons? Oof. Oh my That's gosh. enough. That's enough. <laughs> also, like, why does the cult need a reason? Like, is is it a small business? Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't need a reason. And also, it's a definitely a cult. Yeah. <laughs> it's for sure a cult. Like, <laughs> you might be in a cult if you are writing this. Um, the second review is boring crap about a woman with no personality that joins a cult, then leaves. She stays with her sister and her husband and has flashbacks about the cult life. Nothing really happens, then it's suddenly over. Yay. People want like action in every movie. Yeah, I don't get it. It's I guess to me it's like interesting enough to be mm-hmm. I don't know, to like explore trauma and memory, you know? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and and you know, your relationships with your family. Yeah, exactly. Which is like mm-hmm. compared to 
um, Father Lamb, this just does way more of that. There's just a lot mm-hmm. more to like think about and chew on. Definitely. And they feel like more, they feel like real people too. Yeah. Um, rather than like living in like a fairy tale woods. Yeah. <laughs> with their beautiful clothing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm going to rate this um, an eight. I really love this movie. I'm happy I got a chance to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it holds up. I remember really liking it when I first watched it like 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. I still really like it. Um, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, me too. I feel the same. I'm also going to rate it an eight. <laughs> We're just Twins. in sync. <laughs> the same brain. I feel like the only movie we've found very rarely, like, really have not agreed on movies. Uh, yeah, I feel like the only one is, like, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Contentious. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on April 19th, and we will be discussing two heist movies, Widows and Ocean's Eleven. You can follow ChickFlix on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, five stars only. If you want to rate us another star, just don't bother. Just picture us crying. Yeah. (laughs) JK, we don't cry over that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, we're strong. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Goodbye.